Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast on Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and it is, well, the afternoon after the night before when it comes to Nottingham Forest and the transfer window, which we shall break down and assess about how good, how bad, how awful, how uplifting it was in the company of, uh, first of all, Reds legend Gary Bertels. Gary, good afternoon. You well? Good afternoon. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good, good. And returning to the podcast again is uh, Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, you well? Good, thanks, Matt. Uh, looking forward to getting stuck into this debate with uh, with Gary. Um, yeah, just just wish that we were in a slightly better position to that which uh, when we spoke last time. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, still rooted. Yes, well, we'll come on to on the pitch. Uh, certainly plenty to talk about there. Off the pitch, I'm going to refer to my phone here and go through what actually happened in the transfer window uh, and then we can break it all down. So Forrest ended up with eight signings, potentially nine as they wait on uh, Jed Spence from Middlesbrough, a right-sided player. They're kind of hopeful of signing, but they did bring in, uh, before the deadline day, Ethan Horvath, Jordi Osse Tutu, Max Lowe, James Garner and Philip Zinkenagel. Uh, and then on deadline day, it all uh, kicked off, I guess, with lo- loads and loads happening. So in came uh, Mohamed Drager, Brian Jada. Sande Silva and potentially Spence. And then out went yesterday, Jordan Gabriel, Nuno da Costa on loan and Harry Arter on loan to Charlton. Right. Um, I suppose it's the seems to have divided fans about how well it's actually gone or how badly it's gone. There's the positives of a younger squad, a smaller squad. Brennan Johnson and Joe Worrell are still here. And then on the flip side of that, a lot of late deals and a lot of rushing around and question marks about where the goals are going to come from because they didn't really get a striker in or they did get silver, but we can discuss him later. So, um, Gary, do you want to have first dibs on how you, what kind of shape you think Forrest are in now? Uh, well, I, I've seen a quote say, it seemed like a father who had forgotten his children's Christmas stocking <laughs> and were left to see what was on the shelves of the local petrol station at 11pm. <laughs> That's how it described um, the transfer window for Forest. So that's how. That's how. Yes, this host described transfer deadline day. How it. That was me. Yeah, that's uh, how right, it felt. It might be. Yeah. True so, story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, we first of all we have to say we have to give these players, you know, a chance. You know, most of us have never heard of many of them, um, and the Olympiacos connection is there again, which has not always been particularly good in the past for one of the uh, signings coming in. I mean, uh, the guy from West Ham, he's got nine goals in 116 appearances. Um, nearly as bad as me at Old Trafford. Um, but, yeah, we, I mean, we've lost 17 players, they say, and now the, or the the players that have come in. I think that what the fans were maybe looking for was named players or going for a sort of a striker who we could all be excited about and who might score as the goals that will get us up the, the league. But... That hasn't happened, and that is the one thing that still worries me. Temps, where do you stand on it? As I said, fans are very much in one camp or the other. Which, how do you see it? 
And with Gary, it's always a bit disheartening when you have to Google and extensively research a, a name that um, doesn't emote um, any initial feeling, which is why I'm, I'm probably most excited about watching Garner and Zinkanago because I think they're proven at this level. We know where they'll fit into this, this team. Um, and we know they're of a quality that can improve what was at the club at the start of the season. I think um, I'm really weary about um, where we are at fullback. We desperately need those players to be in the 11 um, with the players that have been rotated out of the club. So we need to see a strong showing from those guys. Um, but yeah, particularly concerned about the, the striker situation and, and scratching my, my head, really, trying to, trying to imagine who's going to score 24 as this time around. So the, the two that stand out to me are the two that we already know the most about, Zinkanagel and Ghana, who I think um, will be regulars in this side um, and have the biggest chance of being, um, yeah, make, making an impact on, uh, on the season from this point on. Yeah, you've talked about the lack of goals, Gary, and you pleaded for a striker to come in all summer and they haven't got one, really. We could, we hope Silver's going to be good and make a difference. Is that your concern about the, where the goals are going to come from now, Still, Of course it is. You know, we, we've gone through this again and again, Matt, you know, in previous podcasts saying, right, last season, we, we've talked about it, I'm fed up of repeating myself about it. Um, you know, the, the worst stats in the world were our stats in the opposition's penalty box, second lowest scorers. We can go through all that again. And you think, right, OK, we've said this before again. Well, if we get that area right, we've got half a chance. But we haven't we haven't got that. It's just the same old again. You know, as I've said, we've got to give these players a chance. But it doesn't make you think, oh, wow, what a signing that is. Well, it doesn't me, personally. Um, I'm sure you know, some of the Forest fans are, are similar. I'm sure Michael's the same. It's it's just I was just desperate for somebody to light up, you know, the boards and say, right, okay, look at this for a signing. You know, we've got a chance here, but it's not. You know, we've got Lyle Taylor and we've got Lewis Graben again, and um, we don't know whether the the other guy from West Ham's a winger or a striker. So, what are we going to do for goals again? Yeah, we've got creation in midfield, which is good with the two you've mentioned and the ones who the other ones who are coming in. You know, might just be outstanding I don't know it might just work for them but you know you have to reserve your judgment and um, it, it doesn't sort of lift you as a, a Forest fan Do you think Silver starts on the back foot a bit temps because there was so much talk about Josh Madger coming in who would have been a big money signing and then you end up with Silver who I think the understanding he's come in for a, a, a small sum and you kind of you haven't taken too much of a gamble financially there do you have to just kind of wait and see with a player like Silver and, and hope he comes off as, you know, we, we, we do hope he does. And he turns into another Antonio, not another Diacarbi, for example. Yeah, everyone has to impress when they walk into a football club at any level. And I think the first thing he'll need to do is win over his teammates and his manager um, before he even wins over the fans. But you know, Hewton won't blood him unless he's convinced on the training pitch that he's, he looks more, he looks sharper uh, than, than Graben and, uh, and, and Taylor. Um, so, yeah, I think he does start on the back foot a bit. I think Madger would have got the fans slightly more excited. We obviously know um, of him from the, the famed Sunderland documentary where he came across as a real um, humble and hardworking character. And he's gone on to have some success on the continent. So that was a name that got us excited. Um, it didn't quite land. But I do feel we should um, trust the, the process. Um, we've heard about the kind of money ball approach at, at Barnsley. We've recruited the recruiters. Um, that we hope can make that happen at Forest. So there will be a reason, or there should be a reason, if these players have 
come to the top of a pile off the back of a, a detailed analysis, um, a scouting network, um, rather than the kind of, you know, the, the, the old school um, recruitment of um, the last couple of years where there's just been a high volume of coming in. We've seen if anything will stick. I would hope these are well researched and we find ourselves in um, 10, 15 games time um, looking at the quality of these players and how their relative um, anonymity is potentially taking the, the championship by surprise. Is Ajada the one that interests you the most, Temps, coming from Paraguay? He sounds like the kind of player that Dane Murphy might be interested in. He's a bit of an unknown quantity and YouTube highlights can make any player look good. But there does seem to be some kind of thinking behind Ajada. He's the one that interests me the most. Where do you stand on him? Yeah, he seems to have the pedigree, doesn't he? Um, seems to have performed at a, a reasonably high standard. But again, you know, time will tell. Uh, I was just, just looking at a quick start if I can. So um, Barnsley and Bournemouth crept into the playoff last year with 78 and 77 points. And that's a benchmark of a, of a top, top six club, which we have to aspire to be. Just feels a long way off at the minute. And within those, there were two methods of getting to there. Barnsley, not free scoring, kept it tight, scored 58, conceded 50. Bournemouth, a bit more free scoring, scored 73, conceded 46. But those point tallies of 77 and 78, just seem a, a real long way off at the minute. And we need instant impact from these boys if this season is going to have any level of aspiration um, whatsoever as, as we head towards Christmas. Yeah, is that the concern, Gary? Because Ajade is going to need, well, he might have to be in self-isolation for a while. He's going to have to get familiar with English football. Same for Silver. We probably need to hit, hit the, these players hit the ground running if Forrest are going to do anything, don't they, as Temp says? The problem is uh, it's a league called the Championship, which is brutal. We've seen it in the past. Um, players struggle, you know, when they come from abroad. They find it difficult. We go back to, the, you know, the David Platt era when the three Italians came across. found it so difficult and a lot more since in, you know, not just at our club, but other clubs. It's the, the nature of the Championship. It is an absolute nightmare of a, a league because it's the one that you aspire to to get into the Premier League. So, you know, it's just a, a brutal 40, 46 games a season. And, you know, you want these, as you say, to hit the ground running. And it's not easy in the Championship to do that because the pace and how frenetic it all is takes everybody by surprise, even the guys who've, you know, played in it before. It does it every season. It gets harder every season, the Championship. And to be somebody who doesn't know anything about it and come in and be an instant success... It's it, it's going to be quite difficult. If they do, fantastic. But I think it'll be an eye-opener uh, eye for them. Does the Olympiakos connection worry you, Temps, with the Draeger deal? I mean, if he, if he comes direct from Freiburg and he's a 25-year-old Tunisian international, then there's a different slant on him. I think fans have uh, made their mind up about these players that come in from I, uh, Ajax, Olympiakos now. Uh, where do you stand on that as a fan? Well, look, the transaction will be useful, won't it, even if the player isn't. So there'll be a reason why this is this happening in the in the context of um, FFP. So while it's easy to say same old, same old, you know, um, players being recycled between this, this, this kind of network of, of clubs, which Maranakis has close links to, in the context of FFP, it's impossible to go for it year after year after year. Even if our owner has the means to do that, it's not something that we can we can do and get away with. And we've seen the troubles that other, other clubs have, have, have got themselves into. So we have to praise the owner. There's no lack of cash here. There's no lack of a desire to invest in the squad. I think what we're all asking for as fans is that they're well-researched, 
that Dane, uh, Tamor, all the other guys at, at Forest now have the ability to make their own decisions based on the processes that serve them well at, at Barnsley. Um, we as fans give these players some time to some time to, to prove themselves, but we must maintain our expectations. We're not in Forest, you know. Look at look at Gary's. Um, CV and the things we've won in that era. We can't settle for uh, being uh, bottom of the championship at any stage of the season, five games in or whatever. We can't allow our standards to slip. We still have to um, look forwards, um, you know, challenge the club, challenge those that are in, in, in positions to um, make these decisions, remain supportive. You know, I'm, I'm never one for booing at half time or, 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 or chanting, for a, chanting for a manager's head. Um, but I think we all hope that after the high volume of transfers in the previous few, uh, few windows, this one would be a, a, a bit more considered. But there was an awful lot of business yesterday. And that suggests that maybe some of the initial list of, of, of targets didn't materialise. Yeah, I think that's true. You've touched on something I was going to raise anyway. And I'll come back to some other points. But we're Nottingham Forest is something I wanted to pick up on. Uh, I, I think you're going to disagree with me, Gary. But <laughs> as the we're Nottingham Forest brand worn a bit... Not thin, but has it lost its cachet a bit, the history? When you look at, you know, Bournemouth got Morgan Rogers against Forrest and Forrest got all the history in the world and Bournemouth haven't. Forrest have been in the championship for 20 years now and not got near promotion for the last 10 of them, apart from the Lamucci flotation and collapse. Has, has Forrest's place in the food chain dwindled a bit, Gary? And do we as fans need to accept that? I don't think so. It's still because of the owner and the nature of, you know, what he's done for the football club, the money is invested you know, right through COVID and everything, you know, with no crowds there and, and keep funding the football club, he's been magnificent. I think people tend to forget that a little bit. You know, the, no, the only income was coming in was from the owner keep putting money in because, you know, the fans weren't allowed through the, the turnstile. So you've got to give him huge credit for that. And, you know, we've just talked about how many players have gone, 17 players from that previous squad. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of players to lose. You know, no matter if they were average or whatever, it's still a lot of players to lose from a squad, especially if you pick up injuries early in the season. The, the big boost is Joe's still there. You know, McKenna and Worrell were two of the best last season. You know, the, the stats show that. We were, I think, the third best defensively in, in the championship. And Brennan Johnson's still there. You know, Mighton's still there. So we have got potential um, to, to do well at the back again. But it's, it's just the concern about up front again. You know, I don't think you can take a chance on that position because it's such a it, it's such a position that you know, that's why they get paid more than anybody else because it's the hardest job in the business to put the ball in the back of the net. You know the old cliche, and anybody who's got those players who do that are the ones that compete at the top. You know, talked about Barnsley being the the lowest scorers of the top six last season, but all the others, that's why they were up there because they scored a lot of goals. You know, and that that's. Pure and simple. That's why they got into the playoffs because they scored a lot of goals. Barnsley did it quite rightly a different way. There is a different way. And I've got so much admiration for the way Barnsley go about things, the way that Luton go about things, you know, Coventry, teams like that. And that's the one thing about We Are Nottingham Forest that doesn't quite ring true because teams like that, with a lot less money to spend, the budgets are so much smaller, they seem to be doing particularly better than us. And that is a massive concern for me. Where do you think we are in the food chain temps overall? Um, 
Yeah, look, I think we have to aspire to be a, a, a top six championship club and then, then you've, you've bought a ticket and anything can happen, can't it? We're resourced like that. We're certainly supported like that. The, the numbers through the turnstiles um, have sprung back um, Im- immediately and historically we've been right up there. So there's, there's no lack, lack of investment. And as Gary said, the owner has to be credited for that. We've got a, a, a chief exec and a recruitment network who are very new to the club very highly reputed um, by all accounts, great people as well, and you know, committed to this to this project. I just hope they're given the not the financial resource, but the the time and the space to to implement their methods. Um, but yeah, clearly, when we're not competing at the top end of the championship, we are twenty fourth in the championship. We have the worst records of all, all the team in this in in this division, and that has to change quickly because. With you know so-called big club mentality um, comes certain ridicule, ridicule from certain quarters when it's not all going your way. We're having a rough patch at the minute. We need to turn around, uh, turn that around very, very quickly um, to maintain some positive sentiment and begin to strive forward. Um, what was more important, guys, keeping Johnson and Worrell and not getting a striker, or would you rather have seen they got a striker in and maybe you sacrifice one of them? It's, t- it's tough to know the balance, isn't it? You can criticise the club and you can praise the club for the work they've done this month, I think it's fair well, to you, say. You just don't know what the situation is, whether the possibility was there to do all three, you know, to keep the two of them and get another striker. Um, I don't know what sort of money the, the players who come in will be on or contract-wise. Nobody does. Um, nobody seems to know the fees for everybody. But if it was possible to bring a, a striker in with the other two staying there, that would have been absolutely fantastic. If it wasn't possible, then maybe you know the fans should know that that it wasn't possible to be able to do everything. Um, sometimes you have to sacrifice. It's it, it's sad that you know we've seen it before in the past with us getting rid of academy players. You know, if, if we didn't get in contention, they've had to be sold, and we don't want to keep seeing that. We want to keep our you know our gems at the football club, let them progress let them mature and be good for Nottingham Forest, not because we're failing season after season, that we have to let them all go because that's counterproductive. And um, you, you got, you've got to talk about the Derby game, the second half of the... the it, it was particularly good, apparently. A lot better than the first when things were changed. I didn't see it because I was on my... <laughs> Norwich to do Norwich-Leicester, so... Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to see it, but by all accounts, the second half was a lot better. And you know, you've got to build on things like that. That is the last forty-five minutes we played. So, you know, it, it's good that we we got back in the game and we got a point. It was important to get that one point on the board. Um, and now, you know, progress from that. You've got to take confidence from that last forty-five. That's all you can do. Forget the first forty-five. You know, you're 1-0 down. The second half, you won 1-0 and you drew the game. So, you know, next thing, it's a good chance for the international break now to get everybody, you know, on the training pitch, if they, if it's at all possible, if they're not away internationally. And, you know, it's a learning curve for the people coming in. And, you know, hopefully Chris can work with them and we can come out the other end, you know, a little bit more confident than we'll be, we, we were going into it. Yeah, I mean, just on the shape of the squad then, Thames, you've touched about... Uh, touched on about Dane Murphy there. Do we kind of have to give him until it's probably, is it this time next year that we can really judge Dane Murphy? It was quite a tough ask coming in from Barnsley and trying to solve everything in one window like that when Forrest have historically 
made errors in previous windows and January is going to be tough, whoever's in, in calling the shots. Do we have to be patient once again when it comes to transfers with Forrest? Of course you do. I mean, he's putting in place a, a strategy. He's gathering resources. He's directing a scouting network, recruiters, the manner in which we negotiate, the manner in which players are treated when they arrive at a, at a club. He, he needs to be there for four or five years plus to bring that to fruition. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the victims in football, when a change needs to be made, um, is, is the manager because it's uh, frankly the the easiest position to, to refill and we see it time and time again. So, yeah, I'm certainly not um, judging um, Dane on our current predicament. Let's not forget he's inherited uh, a bloated squad. I think getting players out of the football club has been as big an achievement as uh, as, as pulling a few in. Um we were just so bloated last year that the, the harmony um, simply wasn't there, and that translated into the, the performances on the pitch and the and, and the lack of the lack of points. So, yeah, I mean, look, this this guy is relatively young, fantastic CV, had a great impact at Barnsley, where they made a profit. You know, that was a club that um, commanded transfer fees for two consecutive managers. I think Forest are probably still paying three. So, having that thought process. That consideration, that brain power in our club is definitely an asset, and I'm yeah 100% behind uh, Dane and the, the the guys around him. Some of whom I've I've met recently and are extremely impressive. I suppose when you look at the outgoings, I think everyone would accept it's good to get De Costa alone move away, and Harry Arter was so out of favour to get him off the books and playing some football somewhere else. It's probably good for him and perhaps good for Forrest. Jordan Gabriel is probably the only interesting uh one you could debate he put this comment when he went to Blackpool yesterday about nice to be somewhere unwanted I think he always got or we all got the feeling they were waiting to move him on this summer what did you make of him Gary I don't know how much you you saw of him do you think he was quite at the level to or to to make it at Forest was it a good move for him to to go and play somewhere else uh I didn't see him much but what I saw was you know a little bit better than you know on the other side the uh the left back situation and I think he was a work in progress a little bit. And when you have those players, you, you have to give them a little bit more time. And I don't, maybe he didn't get the time he deserved. Uh, you can't expect to come in. As I say, the championship is brutal. You don't come in and make an instant impact. It's difficult in any position. But fullbacks, it's not an easy position to play. A lot's expected of you now. You know, when in our area, it was more or less like Frank Clark only came over the halfway line, you know, very rarely, Colin Barrett did for the the goal he scored against Liverpool, but it was more or less a fullback then. It wasn't an attacking fullback unless you were Viv Anderson. He was the first attacking fullback. Um, you know, people forget about that. You know, you talk about attacking fullbacks. Viv was unbelievable, but he was a rarity. And now fullbacks are expected to get forward as well as do the defending. And sometimes they lose sight of how to defend, but because they've got to get forward and join in and be creative further up the pitch. So it becomes a little bit difficult. Um, I just hope he goes... And Anybody who goes somewhere else and tries to prove a point, I've got admiration for. But, uh, you know, maybe he should have been given a little bit more time. I don't know. I didn't see enough of him. But what I saw of him, he didn't look out of place at all. Um, Bong on the other side, for me, does look out of place. What about you, Tom? I can see you nodding along. You agree with Gary's sentiments there? Yeah, completely. I mean, the game has changed, hasn't it? And what's expected from a, a fullback has, has changed significantly. And we spoke last time about having two screening midfielders and two 
um, fullbacks that are you know slightly reluctant to to pass the halfway line or at least to attack with any vigor. And you haven't got to think back too far to a time when you had one holding midfielder, be it a Benny Watson or a, even Ryan Yates with 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 Cashy playing the the brand of football that he did from. Uh, right back Chris Cohen when he was converted into a, a a left back would often be the you know the focal point of of attacks would overlap his winger and really turn that flat back four into a dynamic uh, attacking shape and yeah we sit here today with Warren McKenna absolutely inked into that back four but still massive question marks over the the two full backs how attacking they're going to be be able to be within that system. And if they have enough attacking intent to overcome Hooten's desire to play two holding midfielders. So, yeah, massive, massive question mark for me uh, in that, that part of the pitch. And it's a, a conundrum we need to, to, to crack to um, even have a chance of delivering the service that Taylor or Graben will need to get anywhere near 15, 20 goals each. Mm. Um, last one I want to get your take on temps from transfers is you work in sports, uh, in, in cricket and not in the on the pitch side, the off the pitch side of it. And your job is based, I imagine, largely on a lot of forward planning when it comes to test matches and uh, T20s and filling a cricket ground and managing a stadium. Forrest's job this summer in terms of getting players through the door would have involved a lot of forward planning, going, you know, drawing up shortlists and trying to get those deals done. Is it wrong to be critical of them scrambling around on the last day more than just about every other club in the country? Do you do you have some sympathy for them or not? Yeah, massively. So I had a kind of glimpse into the football world when I was at the Olympic Stadium and uh, obviously, you know, West, West Ham were there. And there's, there's definitely... Um, an element of heart overhead in football that doesn't exist in in cricket and rugby and um, slightly more um, yeah stable environments where success is built on longevity and continuity and there's relatively little player trading and player movement but the reason for that is there's there's no market for it there's no transfer fee commanded if we were to produce an exceptionally talented player um, here at Trent Bridge we wouldn't seek to sell them so Forest are in a, a completely different world where players know their worth, where agents and parents and friends um, are all telling them they should be worth more, should angle for a move. And keeping that squad harmony together, keeping the, a balanced team together and constantly looking ahead to try and um, fill gaps and identify the right prospect to do that is um, could, could, could be framed an impossible task by, by many. So, I mean, Maranakis has, has done the right thing for me now. He's pulled in a team of people who are more than aware of what's required to compete in the championship, have a European, if not global, um, network of eyes, ears and reporting tools that can be to, to, to our advantage. Um, but they, it's, it's, going to, it's going to take time. Um, I don't know how they do it. I think the level of uncertainty that exists um, in, in football would cause a great deal of anxiety for those in, you know, slightly more settled um, sporting environments such as um, cricket, where, you know, we've had a director of cricket for 20 years plus now, uh, who's won several trophies in that period of time, but has also been given time to redevelop and remould teams and reduce age profiles and, you know, reluctantly um, lose players through injuries and retirements rather than people um, being subjected to transfer bids. So football is a completely unique working environment. There's a lot of em emotion involved. 
you know, we're all fans um, and want nothing more than seeing um, Forest Forest do do well. Um, but yeah, how many times have we heard that there's a five year plan? True, true. Right, this is very arbitrary to finish it on, but if I was to ask you for a mark out of 10 for the transfer window and the shape of the squad now, uh, Gary, what would you be saying? Uh, That's a little bit unfair because, you know, you don't know these players. Until you see them, you you can't give them a mark. The the, the thing that worries me, I, I think Chris is so professional. He would have, I'm sure, had a list last season of players he was looking for to try and bring in and try to progress with that as a season finished last season. And it, it'd be just nice to know what sort of backing he was given and how much money he had to spend to bring the players he wanted in. If you don't get the money, then you can't blame the manager. Um, so it, it, it looks like a little bit that he might have not been as backed as much as we thought he might. Um, but we, we never find that out because nobody ever tells you it's uh it's that's the conundrum with it all, um, but I'm worried. I'm still worried because uh, lack of goals, purely and simply lack of goals. Not worried about the back; we look solid there. But if we McKenna gets injured or Worrell gets injured again, as they've both been getting injured, then we start to struggle again. So it's uh, it's fingers crossed that every everything goes well from now on. But still, a huge part of me is thinking where where the goals are going to come from again. Um, If we just look on the pitch briefly then, I mean, we can't ignore a Derby County game. I I, I watched it. I hope you're going to tell me you watched it, Temps. Yeah, I watched the game, yeah. Good, right. Um, uh, Before the match, Gary, you said a point was a good result and I was sceptical and I thought they have to win. But coming out of it, I actually thought, well, it's something to build on and they did play, you know, well second half and they were positives. What was your emotions coming out of it, Temps? Were you happy or disappointed? Uh, disappointed. Although I think the two big talking points were a definite red card in the first half that would have, you know, clipped Derby to ten men at an early stage, and you know you'd want a penalty if Joe Worrell did what he did in the uh, in the opposition box. So um, that one's even itself out. But yeah, I, I felt they were there for the taking. I think we spent weeks and weeks pre uh, preseason delighting in Derby's misery, the lack of signings, but they they've put together a squad there of, of quite seasoned campaigners who were you know very very streetwise and um, ultimately you know got a, got a point and find themselves a few points above Forest in the, in the table. So yeah, disappointed. But the uh, positive spot for me was the the attacking intent and that bit of quality from Brennan Johnson, which I think we're all hoping to tap into for the rest of the season. Mm, true. Have you seen the goal, Gary, for Derby? I haven't, no. I'll ask Temps. <laughs> Just one. Do you have any sympathy for Bong? Because he's obviously made a massive rick, but it always seems like when you're the player, the spotlight's on, the ball ends up in the back of the net. It just kind of highlights it, didn't it? Yeah, I haven't got any sympathy for Bong. Um, other than we're now picking a player at left-back who we told in the summer could leave. And there have been no suitors. And now through you know injury and, and a lack of recruitment at that point, um, he was he was in the side. But, you know, you don't stand there appealing for, a, for an offside call in, in the midst of a derby game when Lawrence is going through one-on-one with the keeper. And, you know, but for that slight indecision, that hesitation, he could have affected the shot far more and maybe the outcome would have been different. It was a quality finish as it, as it happened and a, and a great ball. 
But for me, yeah, Bong wasn't sharp. He was rocking on his heels. And although he did make a recovery run, he didn't affect the shot anywhere near enough. Mm. The player I wanted to talk about coming out of the game seems to be the player we always talk about in Zhao Carvalho. Um, Gary, you got hooked at half time, and Forrest were a lot better in the second half. I don't know where to stand on him because I've been advocating for him to play. And then he plays against Stoke and does nothing. He plays against Derby and does nothing. But then the flip side of the argument is, well, what's he supposed to do in a team that's not attacking? How can he influence a game? Well, Forrest did try to attack in the first half and there just wasn't much quality there. Where does João Carvalho stand with, with Forrest now, Gary? With the transfer window's closed and he's still here. What, what do you think? Uh, have you got that piece of string? <laughs> How long is that piece of string? I mean, he, he, he's just so such an emotive character, isn't he? Mm. He clearly has the ability. We, we don't doubt that. And you mentioned, it's a good point you mentioned about, um, is he given enough opportunity to be himself, to express himself? Um, because of his nature, he's a very attack-minded player. You know, Chris plays, you know, a little bit more cautious. Um, so is that what's holding him back a little bit? Uh, it, it's so difficult to come out with the, the right answer regarding Carvalho. Um, I, I would try to persevere because at certain points, I don't think he was ever really given that run of games where he could say, right, OK, I've had six games on the trot. Yeah, it's not gone for me. Then you, uh, I can quite understand being uh, left out. He, he sort of, he'd been a bit player, comes on a sub, uh, gets hooked at half-time. And, you know, in that respect, you feel a little bit sorry for him. But Chris has to make those decisions. You know, he, he has to win football matches or get something out football matches. And uh, he thought it was the right thing to do. And the second half performance was, you know, more productive. But would had he stayed on with that formation in the second half, would he have been productive? We don't know. You know, and that, again, is the conundrum. We, we'd like to see that. But, yeah, it's. Um, I'd like to see him at some point, given you know, two or three games just to see what he's like and say, right, go and express yourself, do what you do best, you know, don't hold back and make things happen. Just go and do it. But I'm, I'm not sure that'll happen. Yeah, this number 10 position has just been such a, a bind for Forrest, hasn't it, Temps? They've not nailed it down and the manager's very insistent on playing 4-2-3-1. I mean, is it Carvalho's fault or would anyone struggle the way that Forrest have been playing this season in that position? Yeah, you think he, he's, a, he's a front foot player, isn't he? He's a bit of a luxury player, but in a, in a side that's free-flowing and attacking, you'd think he'd be um, invaluable. We've all seen his, his highlight reel and there's a level of expect, expectation now that when he's not running the show, he's um, yeah vilified a little bit by, by Forest supporters. Um, he hasn't done enough in the minutes he's had to justify being uh, an automatic, automatic starter. So I think he's in the, in the mix now with two or three others um, vying for that position. Um, and you know, after the international break, Forrest have got three games in seven days, and they're going to have to take some points from that. They're going to have to be an element of rotation, playing Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. So he'll get another go, but now he really doesn't need to grasp it. Mm. Um, what's Brennan Johnson's best position? Do you think right wing or centre or as that number ten? Yeah, wide right for me. I think um, that his the the weight of passing, um, the the vision, not only for the Lyle Taylor goal in the season, but throughout his time at um, at Lincoln last year as well was was just so good to watch and also he's wise enough already to know when to come off the wing and to become a, a second striker or a kind of 10 hovering on the edge of the box as he did for the equaliser at the at the weekend but just really pleased that he's um, you know being used that he's in there that he's still a Forest player 
because I, I think he will be a Premier League player one day. Um, and now there's a chance for us to get a year or two um, out of him before he, he commands a transfer fee. We should reinvest in this crazy market. With um, if, if Johnson's best on the right wing, which I agree, Gary, uh, Zinkenegel wants to play there and by all accounts, he doesn't want to play inside. But Forrest looked better with him inside uh, against Derby. I mean, do you have to maybe just have a word with him and say, look, it's better for the team if you play as a number 10 or number 8? Is that an awkward conversation, do you think? No, it shouldn't be an awkward conversation because, you know, Chris is in charge and he picks a team and if he wants him to play there and it looks better with him playing there, then, you know, you've got to accept that. Sometimes you, you are played out of position. I mean, I, I always go back to when I played left-back and had the worst horrendous game of my life, uh, trying to mark Danny Wallace for Southampton. Dear me, what a nightmare that was. <laughs> You'll have sympathy with Bong then. Uh, to a certain point, yeah, because... Um, I just couldn't. I couldn't cope with left back at all. Centre half was no no problem. But yeah, you all got your favourite best positions. But sometimes players get labelled versatile, and I think that's not a, a you know a good tag to be associated with. Uh, it's good for managers because they can play them in different positions. But you always have a favourite position yourself, and you want to play that. But he's got to realise that he is playing well in that position as well, and. If that's helping the team, then you know just stay there and see see what happens. You can go on a run of games, and he might think, well, yeah, I do enjoy this. I, I hated midfield when I played for the reserves. Uh, you know, Brian Clough put me in the reserves in midfield, and I hated it because it was box to box, and uh, I, I didn't find it difficult, but I didn't enjoy it because I, I like getting the box scoring and things like that. But sometimes you have to accept it for the the, the reasons it's done for. And the reasons it's done for are to help the team out. Hmm. So, you know, go with the flow. Don't don't moan to see how it goes. And if it's not enjoyable over a few games, then have a word with the manager. You know, see what you can come up with between you. Because he, he is a vital part in that, that starting 11, I think, now. So now we're at the international break and we're five games in. I mean, in a sense, you could view this as a fresh start for Forest. now they've got the squad in place. But they've only got one point on the board. Is the break come at a good time, Temps? And we can we view this as a fresh start, or is that that ship sailed rather now? No, that that ship has sailed, hasn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a welcome break for sure, and I hope there is uh, ample time uh, on the training pitch without you know too many too many absentees to the um, to the calendar of fixtures that the international teams are, are facing now. Um, but there needs to be an immediate reaction, as we said before, three games in six days. I think Forrest could come out of that in a uh, with tails up and feeling buoyed if they can find some um, goal, find the goal scoring touch and, and rack up some clean sheets, or they they could be um, demoralised if they find themselves in an identical position three you know three three games further down the down the track. Um, so so yeah, look break 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 needed for sure. Clear, a, a chance for Hooten and the and the players to to clear their heads. But they need to report back for business and uh, you know get get that first win on the board um, ASAP. Um, Cardiff first up on the Sunday, followed by Middlesbrough and Huddersfield. You know all all winnable games. I don't think any of those teams are going to be challenging at the very very top come the end of the season. So yeah, it has to be time to get stuck in. 
are tough games though, aren't they as well? It's the battle of the old managers really in the in the league, Warnock, Hewton and McCarthy, the most experienced three. And I, I mean, Forrest, Gary, do they've got to hit the ground running now, haven't they? Because they can't be one point from seven games. You're right in the, well, you're probably already in the mire, but you're really in the mire if you lose the next two, aren't you? You've got to win the next game, you know, pure and simple. Don't worry about the two after. You just got to concentrate on that next game, and if you get three points from that, you go into the second game with so much more confidence. Uh, that you've got to play your tactics out in that game. I just hope it, it is as positive as the second half was against Derby, and Chris goes for that sort of a system from the beginning, not changing it. Or, you know, half time or after, because we have the players in that final third now to hurt teams if they're allowed to. You know, just give them the rein, you know, say, right, go out and just do your best against them. Do what you do best. You know, don't hold back. Um, you know, I, I won't moan or complain about, you know, if you do that, that's what I want you to do. But don't be cautious now. If you're cautious now, teams pick up on that. And when you're at the bottom of the league, being cautious is not the right way because you'll, you'll just keep getting beaten because your confidence is getting knocked even more. And... uh you know, let us take games to teams now. You know, let us get on the front foot first and yeah, make teams chase us in a game rather than us chasing, you know, a game all the time. I'm interested to see the next game, actually, because I think Chris might just go quite positive with a bit of luck and uh, then we can assess and, you know, see what's what. Do you have to give him another run of games now, Gary? Obviously, he was under a lot of pressure, and he and he still is. I mean, if things go wrong, you've got a big decision to make after the next game. But they've made these signings, and they've had this international break. Do you have to give Chris Hewton a chance to work with these players for at least another five games when you're 10 games into the season now? You've got to give him a chance now because he's got time to work with the squad. He has a squad now that is, you know, might not be his squad totally, um, but it's you know he's got to work with them and he's got to work the three games out that he's got coming up you know what he wants to do in those three games and if you know it all goes wrong in that that first week back then you can guarantee that you know he's not going to be the, the, the city ground anymore you know pure, pure and simple you know he knows that everybody knows that that's a game of football that's how it works that's how it happens and uh you, you know with if you, if you lose three on the trot which i don't think we will um then you've got one point and you're massively adrift. You have to win that first game against Cardiff mm. um, and then, you know, take each one as it comes. And if you do win the first one, your confidence rises and uh, as a team, as an individual. Yeah. Stick or twist temps when it comes to manager now? Well, all I will say is he's not Dane's man. He's an inherited manager who's been backed, has an excellent reputation and I think uh, both as a as a football manager and as a man I think he's reputed for having you I know mean, real strong values and being a, a, a really good fella um, that doesn't cut it in football it's a fickle business, you're soon forgotten um, three wins out of three is a hero, as Gary says three more on the bounce and um, yeah it will be time for a change uh, Last question to each of you then uh, this new look squad on paper, this starting eleven looks decent. We've discussed at length the you know the worry about the goals. I mean, uh, Gary, optimistic or fearful now for the until the next uh, transfer window in January when we can start this conversation again? Uh, only fearful because of lack of goals. That's that's the only reason I'm, I'm fearful. But the rest of it, I'm I'm quite upbeat. You know, you got Garner and Zinkenegel, and you know players who can make things happen. Brennan Johnson, if they're allowed to. 
you know, if they're allowed to, I'm sure Ghana will be, if we can create in that final third and actually create chances for our strikers, whoever they are, then, you know, we've got half a chance because, um, you know, you've got to be careful with giving strikers stick because they thrive on service. They, they've got no chance without that service from midfield. And playing that lone role up front is, is a very lonely ro- role when you're isolated. And uh, if you get isolated, you know, it, it can be very, very tough as a striker because you're coming deeper and deeper to get the ball. So therefore, you're not in the right areas when things are happening where you should be because that's where you should be. But if you're honest and you keep coming towards the ball because you're not getting anything, you're then out of position for when Johnson does get wide with his pace and he's looking for somebody in the box, you know, because we don't break that well from midfield. Your striker's not there where you want him. So again, it's that system sort of nullifies, uh, you know, a striker, a lone striker at times. Has your opinion changed at all about four-two-three-one? Now you've got Garner as someone who can put his foot on the ball, or are you still more? And Yates, I think, looks better with Garner. Are you still set against it, or can you see a bit more reason to back it yeah, now you've I, got Garner back? Yeah, I can see the I can see the point in it. Yeah, I don't want to see two defensive midfield players. Mm. You know, one one's enough in any team. And, and that back four, you know, do very well, thank you very much, uh, on their own at times because they, they are good. They're a good combination. If they get the left-back spot sorted out, then, again, you, you're looking quite solid. Um, yeah, and then Yates allows those two players to do their stuff and Johnson, he, he gives them that wherewithal to go out and, and you know, produce and, and do their stuff in the final third. And mm. uh, if they can do that and, you know, you've got... I think he's got to pick who he wants up front, whether it's going to be Graben or Lyle Taylor, because it seems he's not too certain at the moment which one he wants. Um, so as a striker, an ex-striker, you need to play a number of games um, to be judged, I think, because if you're on the pitch and then off the pitch, then on the pitch and off the pitch, it's difficult for a striker to get that consistency. Um, so I think that he's got to make up his mind, you know, which striker he wants and give him a run. So, so Temps, um, like we say, Garner back. Max Lowe, I think, is an interesting, good signing as an attacking left back. We don't know who's going to play right back, but I see I'll say Tutu's posted a positive message today about his fitness. Uh, Jed Spence, if they get him, looks really interesting attacking player. I really don't know anything about Dragas. So we can't say too much about the right back, but if they're more attacking and more positive, what are your optimism levels? Or are you fearful about the goals as well, like Gary? Yeah, I, I echo Gary's um, very qualified opinion that we need someone to stick it away. And for me, that has to be Graben that gets the back in just because we've seen him catch fire at various points over the past three, four years. Um, we haven't seen Lyle Taylor catch fire at any point in a Forest shirt. And while his age would suggest that you know maybe there is more to come from him, I just think that Graben's a far more accomplished player at this level. Right, I think we shall leave it there. Um, we'll be back on Monday. I recorded an episode earlier today with Nick Marshall, who used to run Forest Academy before Gary Brazil, and it's really interesting talking about uh, Reed Dawson, Genus, Bamford, players he worked with, and the general way academies have changed, and a lot of Liverpool stuff about Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it, it does go uh, to a few different places. It's really interesting. It's about an hour long, so we'll do that. And then we'll uh, catch up next week with uh, Darren Fletcher, who's going to be on... Uh, for uh, Temps who stepped in off the bench at late notice for Fletcher which we're grateful for as ever and perhaps Gary you'll be back as well gentlemen thank you very much hope you enjoyed that pleasure thanks Matt thanks very much everyone and we'll see you soon
Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.